Good evening. I'm here today with Peter Shaw. Um, he's a person I've met many years ago on LinkedIn. Uh, we started speaking to each other and uh, he's now a guest on the podcast. He actually suggested the topic for tonight's podcast. Uh, today, by the way, is, uh, is uh, Tuesday evening. Uh, we're on the 12th of July, 2022. The topic of this podcast is something that I find very interesting. Burnout. Specifically among software developers, I would think. Right, Peter? What do you think? Definitely. Um, I mean, as, you, as you'll find out when we go through the next sort of 40 minutes or so, um, I've burnt out three times that I can count. Um, and we'll, we'll go over that. But uh, it's definitely something that doesn't get addressed enough, I think. And it's, it's something that all developers really need to start looking at and thinking about, for sure. I think that's a great point. And this is the reason why why this podcast exists. So I've been in this industry for about 15 years, probably more now, because I've been, I've been saying 15 years for the past two or three years. So I'm guessing at some point I have to start increasing the number. Um, I've experienced a burnout myself once and we'll go over that as well. Uh, you've been in this industry far longer than I have, which uh, <laughs> yeah means you had more chances to go through it. Now, do you want to give us a little bit of um, intro about about yourself, if you don't mind? A little, uh, a little bit of an intro. That's an understatement <laughs> in words. Um, the TLDR version is I've been doing this for far too long. I've seen far too many bad managers. I've seen a lot of good managers. I've seen far too many bad developers. I've seen good developers. Um, I've worked on weird platforms and compiler chains that you've never even heard of. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's probably the quickest way of summing it all up. How many years would you say you've been in the industry as a as a Oh, I, I can tell you exactly. I okay. can tell you exactly how many years I've been doing this. I put my fingers, my fingers first hit a keyboard in May of 1979 at the age of seven years old. 79. Okay. I was five at the time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I, 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 I was seven year old. It was about 10 years, give or take before I got my first professional gig. So all told, I've been doing this for about 40 years now, wow. professionally about 30. Yeah, someone, so I would say you're someone with a hell of a lot of experience, more than double my time in the, in the industry. <laughs> well, I know yeah, you've been running your own um, uh, business for a while as well, so you, you probably stopped working for the men due to some... I don't know, maybe bad managers. Well, iron ironically, ironically, it was on the back of um, my second burnout that I actually decided to, to to throw it all in the end, go screw it, you know. Um, this is me from now on. I'm not working for the man anymore. Yeah, you know, that was probably one of my largest lessons that I learned from the experiences that I had and that was the fact that as long as I was letting other people dictate my schedule I was never ever ever going to be any better off okay that's interesting okay now obviously we we live in times now where flexibility is key work from home is key mm -hmm. but this only happened really since uh, COVID became a thing this was never the norm before that nope um, and maybe that affected us more than we thought as well. 
Well, I, I think one of the good things that COVID's taught us is it's it's not just in the IT industry. It's it's a nation. It's a global shift in employment. You know, um, COVID has taught us that the old master and slave mentality that most business owners have with their employees doesn't really exist anymore as much as they would like it to you know it's interesting you say that <laughs> how so okay so um how about i start then with a little bit of a story then um yeah, go since for we're it. talking about burnouts. Now, first of all, let's see what what is burnout. What do we think burnout is? Because for me, it was a, a a state of being of not having any ideas, being very tired, and literally being unable to focus on on anything. Um, irritability at an all time high, and just literally unable to focus. Very very tired, to the point of exhaustion. Exhaustion. That's kind of what it was. I think I think the exhaustion thing was definitely key. Um, that that was absolutely a core central point to where certainly the first time when I burned out, that was a very very real thing um, because I was continuously trying to keep up with the demands that were requested of me, and just the 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 faster I worked them, the faster I worked the problem the faster the requests to work the problem came in, mm. if that makes sense. It does, yeah. yeah. Um, let me, my first burn, I'll, I'll tell you about my first burn. Okay. So <clears throat> basically, I'd uh, taken on a contract to build a video platform. Not your YouTube thing. This was something to do with um, video interviewing, I think, something mm. like that. I can't remember exactly. But um, at the time, it was just on the beginning of the Examel wave. So the platform was a WPF-based platform. Mm -hmm. um, I think, actually, the company that I was working with wanted to do it via Silverlight, to be fair. But um, they wanted to get all the WPF design stuff done first. And... Basically, everything was going fine. There was myself, I was the lead developer. We had another developer. And we were doing it all via MVC. You know, we, we'd planned out the same architecture. Everything looked good. Um, everything was working. We'd laid down some initial sort of routing and some initial sort of... It, uh, the date was all XML-based rather than JSON, mm -hmm. as was the case back then. And... We were, we were set. We were looking good. It, it was going to work. You know, it was going to be a nice platform. We had a solid plan sorted out. We had an architecture sorted out. We knew where we were going. We even had a rough timeline. Uh, I think three months, something like that, to get an initial proof of concept. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the company at that point decided to take the manager, the project manager that had been working with us, off and on to another project and assign a different project manager to us. Now, the, perf the previous project manager, he was actually 
a coder. He was a proper technical person. He understood mm -hmm. the ramifications of any changes we made to the architecture, to the design, to the way things were supposed to work. He understood that there was a back end and a front end and, well, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the rep his replacement, his replacement, however, was not. His replacement was hired straight from the graphical design department. And his entire ethos was graphic driven. He had no concept of code. He had no concept even of code in the front end, let alone the back end. Yeah, he he had this overarching vision that whatever you drew on the screen with a nice pencil and coloured filters and all that just worked. <laughs> and it didn't matter how much we tried to explain this to him he would not shift out of that vision. Everything we tried to tell him, we were just trying to find ways to cheat, cheat the system and make our workload easier and not have to put the effort in. Yeah? yeah. The only time we were working was when he, saw us, when he saw us in Expression Blend drawing XAML. Interesting. If he didn't see us doing that, we weren't working. We were slackers. Yeah. So, it makes you wonder how a person like that becomes in, uh, gets into that position. Yeah, there, there's basically, uh, and that, and that's basically it. Just spiraled out of control from there, you know. Um, as the lead developer, I obviously had this map of the architecture in my head. I had this map of the finished product in my head. Yeah. You know, I knew what I was doing. I knew what I needed to do. The junior developer that I had working with me, he knew MVC, knew C Sharp. That was it. He, he was quite inexperienced with WPF. And he was having to do all these strange data bindings and things that he'd never even come across. I mean, the, the most graphically done to that point was Windows Forms, you know? Yeah. So, of course, we're scrabbling around like crazy, trying to put all these pretty designs together, you know? Every day, every morning, we'd get a new PDF, you know? And some of the changes were like, you know, somebody looking at that shade of purple wouldn't have known if the last if the red digit was 255 or 254 <laughs> you know yeah so but, very very visual basically yeah but this guy had to be perfect he was actually measuring the, the, the you, you know the codes you use to set the colors the, yeah. the rgb triplets yes. he was actually measuring them against industry standard color cards wow you know like you would measure paint cards and things like that. He was actually getting out his big book of being a graphical designer and comparing them to known colour numbers to make sure that they matched exactly. Yeah. And then he was going apeshit because it matched on his screen. Then he'd put it on another screen and it didn't match because the monitor colour on that screen hadn't been calibrated. Yeah. <laughs> so then we had to go and change it to match on that screen and of course that would then not match on his screen so he'd go absolutely loopy because we'd knocked it out and we were useless we couldn't do our job we didn't know what we were doing he had no faith in us you know because we change it on one thing and it'd be different on another and all this palaver yeah anyway this went on literally for two and three quarters of a month yeah all we did was spend two and three quarters of a month just farting around with colors and designs all the time and 
you know, I mean, I was only contracted from sort of nine till five, normal office daytime hours, working remotely from my my home office here. And, you know, sometimes I was getting up at five o'clock on the morning. I wasn't finishing until 10, 11 o'clock at night, Wow. you know, because I was just trying to keep up with these unreasonable lists of demands you know, um, the, uh, the, this line down the side of the page is like not point not 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 one of a degree out. Yeah. You know, you and I wouldn't have noticed it. The man in the street wouldn't have noticed it. <laughs> you know, the this button here is like um, one eight hundred and forty fifth of a pixel away, too far away from the edge of the design. Uh, crazy things like that. Anyway, eventually we got to a point where I was I was exhausted. The poor junior dev was totally exhausted. Um, I was exhausted. On top of that, I was having to keep up with the architecture diagrams. I was having to keep up with the design work. I was having to keep up with reports for the business, telling them how much code was written and what the timeline was like and all the things that a lead would be doing. Yeah. You know, um, stuff which I felt the project manager should actually have been doing. Agreed. If I'm honest. Yeah, agreed, absolutely. You know, um, yeah. I, I should have been feeding him the technical details and getting back to work. And he should have been sorting out what was yes and what was no and so on and so forth so anyway like I say it got to about two and three quarters of a month in and finally he signed off on the design finally he was happy with everything you know he was happy with all the different screens and how the menus and everything looked and all the colour layout and all the drop shadows and all that malarkey you know yeah. um and then I turned around and said, right, so now we've got to catch up and get on with the code. So I need to sit and basically write the rest of the code. And the other junior needs to sit and the, the junior needs to start sitting and writing code. And we need to make this thing work. And he turned around and he said, champion. So if you can get that working by Friday, we have a client demo on Friday morning. They're coming in and expecting to see it work. And I've told them that it all looks wonderful and it's ready to rock and roll. Wow. This was three days before the Friday that he had the demo booked for. Three days? Yes. This was three days in which we still had at least a good two months worth of code to write. I can see where this is going. Yep. I, I mean, I was absolutely just lack of sleep. And, and even when I did manage to get some sleep, even when I did get to bed, I was lying there worrying about the architecture, worrying about the code, thinking about what had to be done. Yeah. You know, if I get to my computer early enough, can I, can I get a couple of hours in on the code base before everyone comes and starts getting me doing design work and stuff again? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it, it, it was physically exhausting. Um, yeah, I was tired all the time. I was irritable because I hadn't been sleeping enough. I was biting the heads off people. Um, my, my long suffering wife, who uh, will openly admit that she's a tech widow, um, 
I really don't know what I would have done without her. Yeah. Anyway, it got to the Friday. The demo was booked for the Friday afternoon. It got to Friday lunchtime. No, sorry. I've missed a little step out there. So the day after that he told us that he was happy with it and that the code was ready to go and he'd already told the client that, he then came to me, I think it was on the Thursday morning, and said, right, myself and my uh, partner are off up to Scotland for a much-deserved two-week holiday. We trust that running the demo's in good hands and that you'll be there in time on Friday to run the demo for us. Unbelievable. Yeah? Yeah. So, he, oh, I'm exhausted. I have to go for a holiday, you know? Um, so it got to the Friday. The The demo was booked for the Friday afternoon and it got to the Friday lunchtime. I'd already been on the phone with him two, three times on the Friday morning, trying to get some common sense out of him. You know, will you contact them? Will you get them to reschedule? There is absolutely no way we can do this. And he was having none of it. You know, he was absolutely having none of it. So at dinner time, I phoned him up and I basically said, Look in your email. Why? Just look in your email. All right, I'm looking in my email. Grump, grump, grump. You do realise that you're spoiling my holiday. Um, So he looks in his email, reads his email, and there's an email saying, I quit. And he's like, what do you mean you can't quit? I watch me. Hung up on the phone call, switched my phone off, switched my computer off, switched both of my monitors off, Went out to the nearest pub and basically got well and truly absolutely crap-faced. Wow. Yeah. I don't blame you. I mean... Yeah. Um, I probably didn't do myself any favours. I, from what I can remember, I literally couldn't really stand up much. Um, My wife was away on holiday at the time. Um, She'd gone for, I think, a week break with her mother. And I basically went into what could only be described as a reclusive comatose zombie. Wow. You know, um, I went and I got a bottle of whiskey and various other substances. And I basically just went on a bender, you know, Um, she came home on the weekend to find a sort of empty shell of a husband sitting there dribbling like a blooming psychopath in the corner of the room. Wow. You know, it, it, it hit me that hard. And all that over a period of a few weeks. That's all it took. Yep. Yep. If that's not um, a harsh lesson for everyone else, I don't know what is. I, I, at that point, I was ready to work, to walk away from the industry. I was absolutely 100% ready to walk away from all of this. Yeah? Yeah. Now, many people who know me probably will click on when I say what I'm about to say, but I am the type of person who thrives on the mental challenge. I have to have that mental challenge. It's no use me going and being a shop worker or flipping burgers or something like that. I'll do it for so long if it's a means to an end. If I have to do it to earn money to pay the bills, I will go and do it. 
but I won't be happy doing it. I have to have that mental stimulation. That's how my brain is wired. It's how my brain's been wired since I was a, a youngin. You know, that, that morbid curiosity as to how things work. You know, the in, the, the insides of the computer, how to speak to it. The, the, you know, yeah. if I'm not doing that kind of activity as a job, then I will basically look for other ways to uh, to entertain myself. And those other ways generally don't turn out so good. <laughs> you know, um, in the past, I've done stupid things like extreme mountain biking and snowboarding and stuff. And, well, there's there's whole other stories there, um, <laughs> maybe for another time. You know episodes, I mean? yeah. <laughs> um, I've, I've broken a lot of bones in my lifetime, let's put it that way. <laughs> But wow. the point being, I have to have that mental stimulation. And my wife and my friends rallied around me because they knew this. They they know what they knew what type of person I was. And they weren't going to let me work walk work. They weren't going to let me walk away from this yeah. industry. You know? Um I, I, I you know knowing me as well as you do, you know I don't really like sort of blowing my trumpet too mm -hmm. much but i'm very good at what i do i can you know? attest to that yep i know i'm very good at what i do and it really really did bite me very very hard for me to make me not want to do that thing mm. um i think it took about a month before i would even look at a computer monitor the most yeah. i did in that first month was pick my phone up and look at the emails on it. You know, the, the company that uh, had hired me to do the contract repeatedly tried to phone me. I just didn't want anything to do with it. In fact, most of the time I turned my phone off, you know, um, I spent a chunk of time just sitting there staring into space, a chunk of time, just reading any like books that I could get my hands on. You know, not computer stuff. I wanted nothing to do with IT and computing. I would read anything as long as it had nothing to do with IT. I didn't even want to hear about IT and computing on the news. You wow. know, something came on the news, turn the channel over. You know, um, Twitter announces another, no, turn the channel over. Facebook, no, turn the channel over. You know, it was just that painful for me. Yeah. Understandable. You know, but I dragged myself out of the black hole and, you know, with the help of my wife, who I'm still married to and she's the best thing since sliced bread. I can't praise her enough. She's had to put up with some absolute shit from me over the years. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I'm not the world's most pleasant person when I've got bugs and errors running around in my head that I'm trying to solve. Yeah. You know. Um, I, I I tend to get quite short-tempered and irritable at that as well. Yeah, a developer's but, life, that's what that is, yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, um, you're lying there awake in bed at night and she's lying there thinking, oh, is he happy with the marriage? And I'm lying there thinking, why the hell won't that bloody for loop work? Yeah. 
<laughs> There's a few memes we can uh, create from this. Oh, you know. for sure. Yeah. But anyway, it, it took about three months. I, I dragged myself out of it. It's I funny did a, you say of, three months, but we'll see I a did, bit later why. Yeah, sorry. I did a lot of reflecting on myself. I played the scenario back more times than I care to remember in my head. You know, mm-hmm. um, I really played it back. I played it back in my sleep. I played it back when I was in the blooming shower. I played it back when I was sitting out in the back garden enjoying the sun. Mm. I just over and over and over and over again. Was it my fault? Yeah. If it was my fault, why was it my fault? Was I good enough at what I was doing? Despite the fact that I know I'm very good at what I'm doing, was I actually good enough for this contract? That was a recurring question. Did I attempt to take on a contract that I absolutely had no right taking on? You know, was it too hard for me? Um, and many other similar questions, you know. Yeah. I really did start questioning whether my technical knowledge was as good as I thought it was. It's a bit painful to hear all this stuff, to be fair. Because I think if you spend enough time in, in this industry, we all get to that point after a while thinking, am I actually good enough? And even in, in general... Am I actually good enough for this? Am I as good as I think I am? Mm. It's, it's exactly what you're saying. But of course, nothing n- nothing makes, the, makes this worse than an actual proper failure. You know, something to bring you back with yep. your feet on the foot. On, yep. with the, yeah, bring, the bring, you down, bring you down worse. Exactly, the yeah. But therein, lesson number one was learned. Um, lesson number one with the burnout scenario and the first thing you should really pay attention to if it hits you, if you have to suffer from it and coming out of the other end, you really, really, really need to listen to your retrospective. Yes, it might be painful to play it over and over again in your head. You know, mm-hmm. it might hurt you to sit there and think, is this really me? It might hurt you to think that you're not good enough. Yeah, but you have to do it. And the reason you have to do it is because you have to look at what went wrong. Yeah. Now, let me just take a little interjection off to one side here. Um, As you know, uh, Andre, I'm not just a software developer. I've done lots. I've worn lots of hats over the, the career that I've had. And one of those hats is as a RAN engineer for Orange UK. Um, specifically, one of the departments that I spent a lot of time working with there was the fault management department. Now, fault management basically is the emergency response team for when network failures occur. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's, say, like a, a transmitter cascade that takes down half of a county and several hundreds of thousands of people lose their cell service, You know, that's classed as a level one fault management and emergency. And fault management is exactly as it says on the tin. And working as a fault manager actually taught me how to turn a problem inside out. It taught me how to take this problem and literally fold it the opposite way and look at the problem from the outside in, rather than what a lot of people do, which is to dive in and try and swim the way out. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Swimming your way out only shows you what's on the surface floating above you. But turning it upside down and diving into it, 
lets you pick the details off the surface on your way down and take them down with you and connect them to other parts of the problem further down, if that makes sense. Mm, I, I think yeah? it does, yeah. And, and, and it's connecting these little bits that help you perform that self-introspective. So you've got to sort of think of the burnout as an emergency situation. It's, it's an emergency situation from your normal operation as a developer. Yeah. You know, um, and all the firefighting trucks are out, all the, all the people are at full alert, all the little men are running around in your head and screaming and there's mass panic. You've got to look inwards and pull the details out and then reconstruct it from the outside in. And only when you do that can you actually look and you can say, right, well, do you know what? That actually wasn't my fault. You know, maybe I could have communicated this little bit here a little bit better. But overall, the, the, the overall thing wasn't my fault, you know. Yeah. And you should be able to sit and assemble key points. If you cannot sit and assemble those key points, then you're not healed enough to start working your way out the other side. Yeah? Yeah. Once you start healing, you will start putting those key points back together. And it's kind of like um it it's kind of like the initial journey when you learn in code. You know the penny drop moments you get? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When you learn in code and you sort of you don't really understand what you're reading, but then you read something else and then say, Cha ching, aha. Yep. Still that connects now, to by that. the way. Yeah, still happens now. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly the same sort of process yeah yeah but you have to go through the pain it is gonna hurt it is gonna hurt a hell of a lot and it is gonna take you a while to heal but you have to do it because if you do not learn from the experience then the next time will be even worse yeah yeah instead of being better That's a great point, actually. You have to learn from it. So, um, yeah. my own burnout, I only had one so far. And it's only one because I learned how to protect myself with exactly this kind of analysis that you were talking about earlier. So, for me, it was trying to do too much. It wasn't any pressure from a manager or an employer. It was actually me trying to do too much. So, I had a full-time job. I had two young children to deal with as well. Um, I had my own business that I was trying to build in addition to all this, um, and also was trying to build a product at the same time. And after doing this for a number of months, uh, I just ended up being too tired, too exhausted, unable to think, and just not seeing any way to get out of it. So I just had to, you know what, I need to stop this, just stop everything, just take some time off. And ironically, I think, it took me three months as well to dig myself out of it. Three months, mm. on the clock. In this three months when I did not, I just stopped working, handed in my notice, Took some time off to, you know, learn from that experience, understand what happened, uh, be ready to go back to to work, basically. Well, um, if if you read any psychology textbooks, I mean, I read a lot, um, not just software development stuff. I read a lot. I am an avid reader of fact-based materials. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if 
if anybody was to ask me what my number one power tip for being a successful developer is, that is spend at least an hour a day reading. Doesn't okay. matter what it is, spend at least an hour a day reading. Yeah. But anyway, if you if you read any psychological um psychology papers, most of them you will find state that the minimum healing length for most mental disorders is exactly three months. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of tells me that the effect of a serious burnout is akin to a serious mental disease. Okay. That's, yeah. you, you know, I mean, maybe it's not a biological one, but the effects in the aftermath are certainly very much the same. You know, now I know there's going to be people that are going to disagree with this. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, oh, yeah. you know you, you're going to get people who are going to say, well, I, I've been schizophrenic or whatever all my life. How dare you diss this? And when I'm, I'm not trying to diss anything, I'm trying to make some comparisons here that if we work too hard, if we don't take enough breaks, if we don't yes. sit back and reflect, and just wind down from time to time. This practice of working ourselves to death really will potentially end up working ourselves to death. Agreed. Or at least into a very, very seriously mental state that we may never recover from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you I know? Think, yeah, it's definitely a mental, uh, a mental thing, obviously, due to the way it manifests and the way it, it influences you, absolutely. Um, like I said, for me, it, it taught me to do exactly that. I think we need to rest because it's all writing code and building products, right, is a very mentally exhausting uh, It thing, is, absolutely. Which is, I, I don't think most people outside of this industry understand that, just how taxing, because they think you sit in front of a computer, how hard can it be? Anyone can do this. Well, yeah, and I, yeah, I can tell you, yep. no, not everyone can do it. And it is actually very taxing. We're not talking about building you know, hello world applications in here that you're doing five minutes. We're talking actually building things. So you yeah. have to rest. That's exactly, this is exactly what I've learned, which is what I've been trying to do since then. Work a number of hours as least as possible every every day and every week, which is I'm only 35 now. I'm not doing more than that. Once I'm done, I'm done. There's no more, no more work of any kind. I don't care. I could be doing other things. No, you mm -hmm. need to rest your brain. Basically, mm -hmm. that's the most important bit. Because otherwise, you next day you come in, and you're already tired and mentally exhausted. Agreed. Doesn't Absolutely work, does agreed. It? You just add to the problem, basically. And but, eventually, yeah, this happens. But, but I am going to inject something else into there. Mm. Yeah. There is a little bit of an addiction to this industry, to, to writing code, to doing the IT thing. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, I will do my absolute best to sit and chill out in the sitting room and spend time relaxing with my wife and maybe watching a movie, um, you know, just time away from the computer. Yeah. But my brain frequently does not let me do that. I'm one of these people. My brain is always charging forward at 400 mile an hour. Okay. You know, I might be sitting watching... Batman or whatever it is that's on TV, 
You know, because I, I, I like my superhero, my Marvel stuff, and my yep. DC stuff. I might be sitting watching something on TV, but my brain is still working out how to fix that bug that I didn't manage to fix before I walked away from the, the computer for the night. Yeah, so you find it hard to switch off, basically. You know? Well, ironically, uh, <laughs> this is why um, Friday nights usually see me in rather a merry state <laughs> due to uh, drinking, because Friday night is the night that I force myself to switch off. Yeah. You know? And I know... I'm not going to say now that this is big and this is clever, but this is how it works for me. This is how I do it. I pour some alcohol down my neck, sometimes a little bit too much, um, if I'm honest. But it's enough to dumb my brain down. It's enough for my brain to go, ah, it's time for me to go to sleep now. And that allows me to just sit there and consume the tv program i'm watching or go and do something different like i'll get my keyboard out and compose a tune or i'll get some breadboards out and i'll build some circuits i'll or i'll even get my box of lego out i've got a bloody big box of lego yeah. you know and i'll build something with lego just anything anything else that, anything that's not sitting yeah. right and cool exactly yeah you know um Occasionally, I do find other ways of amusing my brain, you know. Um, ironically, one of the reasons that I got into drawing maps and doing cartography, because uh, okay. as you know, I'm a, a big GIS person. Yep. Yeah. One of the reasons I actually got into doing that is because drawing maps has a level of technicality to it that's just enough to amuse my brain, but it's not such a technical level as it causes the same problems mm -hmm. as writing code does if that makes sense yeah it does yeah yeah so it, it keeps my brain amused it, it stops it from charging off and doing its own thing but it's something that i still find relaxing and enjoyable to do yeah that's your hobby basically you know yeah yeah kind yeah. of yeah i suppose in a way um so i make a point now that Friday is my night, mm. you know? Um, if anybody who was ever, anybody who has ever tried to phone me after about half past four on a Friday will tell you <laughs> that I am impossible to get hold of. Good. That's exactly because how we should be. everything gets switched off, yeah? My Skype gets switched off, or if it doesn't get switched off, it gets ignored, yeah? My yeah. Facebook Messenger gets ignored, unless it's, unless... Um, I've decided I'm having like a, a Facebook party or something and I'm sitting talking to others that I know or just having a chat, you know. Some, sometimes I do that. Sometimes I just sit down in the living room with my phone and do the, the general sheeple thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, know? you need to do that because that's what allows you to rest your brain. So yeah, sometimes you, you absolutely have to. Have to. Yeah. You absolutely have to, you know. So can I ask you a hard question then? Yeah, certainly. So having gone through this experience and having learned, I assume, so much from it, why did it happen again? So I say that I've had three yes. burnouts. They weren't really burnouts in the sense that there were major burnouts. <laughs> My third one was more or less what you describe. 
with your burnout, except not as hard. I just tried to take on too much. As soon as I started scaling that back and realized that I was getting in too deep and I pulled back, that was fine. You were smarter than me then. Okay. Yeah. But the second one, I don't know. I'd describe it as a burnout, but it wasn't really a burnout. I mean, I was exhausted. I was um, sort of, you know, just like kind of where, what the hell are we doing here? Why the hell are we doing this? But it was more a product of anger okay. than of exhaustion. Anger that if I didn't walk away there and then, I was probably going to do something that I would regret. Regret. You know, and uh, yeah. that was uh, going to be akin to me uh, coming to fisticuffs with somebody in my mind. Right. Um, and I didn't really want to go that far. So I put a hole in the office wall and walked out of the office instead of putting a hole in somebody's head, so to speak. <laughs> Probably a great decision there. <laughs> but um, what, actually, what actually got me to that point, it was, uh, it was a startup an advertising startup and um, the guy that had it with all the will in the world, he was a hard worker. He was a good lad. I can't fault him as the person he was, you know, he mm. was very nice person. Uh, he was good to know a great guy to go and have a few drinks with and socialize with, you know, but he was a product of, one of these UK entrepreneurial schools. Okay. Um, you know, like the the, the, the hubs, the oh, what they call them, where where they have the big open offices and there's lots of different startups all with the corner oh, of the, with the um, Yes, uh, accelerators. Yeah, the accelerator things. He was a product of one of these. And by the time I was working with him, he'd already gone through, I think it was three or maybe even four, before and failed to reach the goal mm-hmm. of the business that he'd, he'd wanted to, you know? Yeah. And I did have some reservations. Yeah. But I looked at the business plan. I looked at the idea he had, and I actually thought it was a really, really, really good idea. You know, mm-hmm. I could see the common sense in what he wanted to do. I could see the logic behind how we wanted this to work and I could actually work out how we could do it and do it really, really efficiently and effectively, mm-hmm. you know, and we did, you know, um, we started building the platform and we were making some good headway and whatnot. And then it very quickly became apparent that this guy came from the Steve Jobs School of Entrepreneurship, you know, build it fast, adapt to market changes. Um, what did he call it? Agile marketing or something like that. Okay, so you know? basically changing his mind every five seconds. Yeah, yeah. So just because another company had added something into their product that was similar to what he thought could make his product, he'd add, he'd want to add that in. So every it got to the point where I didn't even know what we were building. Wow. You know, he was coming in on a morning and 
we had repeated arguments about, well, this doesn't do what I want it to do. And, well, would you like to tell me what you want it to do? And bum, 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 bum. It's supposed to do this. And it's like, well, that was never in the plan that I was working to from sort of Tuesday. Oh, no, I only added that yesterday. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and by the time um, I got to the 10-month mark with him, and apparently... I've never been told otherwise since, and I still know a few people that sort of hover around in them circles. Um, apparently, I still hold the record of the person who stuck with him and worked with him the longest. Wow. Um, because most others before me had only lasted about three, three and a half months. Yeah. I stuck with him for about 10 months, you know, and like I say, it just got to the point where I was so bloody angry with him all the time. You know, it's like, look, change is not as easy as you think it is. You know, re-architecting is not as easy as you think it is. You're giving me something which you can summarize up in a sentence, but which I know is going to take me at least an extra month's worth of work to implement. Yeah. You know, um, things like that. And, yeah, I basically just said enough's enough you know i can't do this i am not the developer that you want well actually as as far as the staff chart goes i was the cto basically um that was how he had me down you know and they're sort of in the the charts and i mean i even had my name on the patent because uh, what we designed he actually thought was patentable um so my name was actually on the patent application as well you know, uh, whether it actually went through or whether he successfully got it patented or not, I have no idea. <laughs> I suspect not, because obviously I would have heard something from the patent office had that been the case. Yeah. You know? Um, but, yeah, like I say, that that was just anger. That was anger at the point that it didn't matter how hard I was trying. You know? Um, it... By this point, I'd learned the value of setting my own schedule. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd learned the value of saying, look, I will be in at nine o'clock on the morning and not before. I will leave at five o'clock on the night and that's it. And not after. Yeah. You know, irrespective of how much work we've got to do, irrespective of what you think we should be doing. You know, Um, ironically, it was also around about this time that I learned that I was hypothyroidic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, anybody who has thyroid problems will tell you that the first sort of six months or so of being diagnosed, you have to have your medication changed regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, What they do is they will take a blood sample, they will do some measurements on the blood, and then they will decide, based on that blood count, how much they need to adjust the hormone replacement tablets that they give you for it. And that first six months can be very, very rocky. And because it's all hormonal, um, you get very cranky. You get very irritable. You know, it plays absolute chaos with your mood swings. You know, so that was another thing as well. I didn't, I, I wasn't exactly in the most stable of places at the time. 
you know, and yeah. I really didn't want to suddenly flip the anger switch and then just start punching hell out of him or punching hell out of one of my co-workers or going Hulk smash on the office or something like that. Yeah. You know? Um, so I, I basically, as I say, I put a hole in the office wall in the plasterboard and walked out. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God, it's incredible what this kind of work can do to you sometimes, isn't it? The kind of the pressure and everything all adding up. Oh, yeah. I, the, the, the pressure is insane at times. Yeah. You know? Um, I've, I've finished a day sitting up here at this very desk that I'm recording this from. I've gone downstairs looking like I've just done two weeks out in the, the Arctic tundra <laughs> doing construction or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just utterly, utterly drained and, and worn out, you know. Um, sometimes I don't even come back upstairs, you know. Sometimes I'll go down, I'll have my evening meal with my family and, and I'll stay down there, Yeah. you know, because even if I do have something to do, it's like, no, it can wait till tomorrow. Yeah, you know? that's the best way to it, do it, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you, you have... You have to learn to have this pacing. Um, you have to learn to recognise when enough's enough. Yeah. Um, fortunately for me, my wife also knows when I've had enough. She can tell. She she can look at me and she can go, uh-uh. if you dare even set one foot on them stairs to go back upstairs, mister. <laughs> You know, yeah. so even she can tell, even she knows, you know, and sometimes she really does thump me back down worth hard, like very hard. And yeah. sometimes I need it. But you do listen. You know? That's the important bit. I do listen. I, I have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I have no choice. Yeah. There are um, so many lessons to be taken from this and. I really hope that whoever listens to this can actually learn a lot in terms of what not to do, when to stop uh, and how to protect yourself. Because I don't think a lot of people even think about this. You know, it's all glorified as you come into the industry. It's easy to get in. You don't need a degree. You get paid a lot and life is beautiful and you have your ping pong tables and and your pool tables and mm -hmm. your drinks on tap and whatnot. <laughs> but nobody talks about the other side, which is the constant pressure the constant need to deliver something to justify those high wages that you're actually getting paid, right? Well, I actually read uh, an independent report once. Okay. Um, I think it was uh, based on the Google effect. Because as you know, it was uh, Google and companies like it that first started with the ping pong tables and it was, yeah. the, the bean bags <clears throat> and the beer kegs and the, the restaurants yeah. and then everybody sort of followed suit. And this independent body decided to do a report on the phenomena at the time. And I remember reading the conclusion and sitting there and thinking, the crafty buggers. Because what they're actually doing, if you think about it, or at least there were, I think it's probably 
become a little bit more diverse and probably a little bit better these days. But back in the early days, if you think about it, what they were realistically doing, first off, they were only hiring young people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. The, the, they made a point of hiring young graduates before they got into serious relationships, before they got into serious family life, before, yeah, you know, ones that had moved away to California and left the families elsewhere yeah. in the country. Live by yeah, themselves or without others just like them. Exactly. So there was just yeah. them. No commitment. Yeah. Exactly. And that was what they were looking for. They were looking for young people with no commitment. And then they were tempting them to stay in the office. Mm-hmm. As long as possible. Yeah. Yeah. If they made it comfortable for them to be in the office, and I've read stories about developers that have actually slept in a sleep pod overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, yep. I remember reading one developer who, when he first moved to um, California to work for Google, he didn't even have a home. He didn't even have anywhere to stay. He actually stayed on campus for the first two months of his employment until he had enough money to go and get himself a, a flat or a bedsit mm-hmm. or whatever it is they, they, they do over there. Yeah. You know, um, and and this report summed that up really, really, really well. You know, to to read it, it was like looking at it and thinking they're not stupid, are they? <laughs> of course, you know, not. yeah, they they know how to try and milk the absolute maximum performance out of a person. Well, yes, because you had no reason to go home, right? You, know? you could have your meals there because they have restaurants. You could have a bit of fun because they have all the toys in the world. They even did the um, uh, the, the washing for you. You know, I was going to say, Google, Google even had a laundry. Yeah, I know. I know <laughs> that, yeah. They had their personal, their, their chefs. I mean, they were treated very well, but the underlying idea was to keep them there as long as possible, mm. which is very sneaky, isn't it? Yeah. So you go and have a kip, you get up in the morning, you 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 do a bit of coding, and you think, oh, I'm going to have some breakfast. Yeah. You know, so you go and have some breakfast, then you go by and you do a bit more coding, blah, 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 a couple of meetings, you know. Oh, it's lunchtime, I'll go and have some lunch. You know, blah, 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 blah. I'll go and have some tea. Blah, 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 blah. Um, oh, bloody hell, it's nine o'clock. Oh, a bit <laughs> tired. Oh, I'll have a kip here rather than going home. Yeah. And before you know it, you, you're literally on campus 24 hours a day, and all you're doing is sleeping and working, sleeping and working. Yes. So. I'm not sure if it's the same now, but uh, I know this was definitely the case a few years back. Absolutely. Oh, sure. Wow. This was um, an amazing discussion. I think we're going to have to wrap it up because this is actually the longest um, episode I've done so far. We went over <laughs> an hour. I told you I always go over time. I know. No, this is this is such an important subject. I think, which is why I'm I'm happy to to do that. Um, Peter, what can I say? Uh, thank you very much. First of all, for your time, and second of all, for no, no. sharing these experiences. Because you know, it, it's not actually easy to do this. But if we can help someone else learn these things before they actually happen, then I think we've done a very good job, and that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I would yeah. definitely agree with that. All right. Thank you very much, folks. This is all for tonight. Thank you and goodbye.